0: Thank you, Andrew. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome again to Chantilly Bible Church, where we scheduled the sermon on fasting for the same morning as lots of food to celebrate the Chinese New Year. Thank you for arranging that, pastors. Uh, uh, If you don't know me, my name is B.J. Walbert. I I had the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here for many years, um, and. uh, It's been one of my great joys, and my family and I still call Chantilly Bible Church our home. We're usually here at this service, uh, so if you sit in that corner, we're usually up in this corner. Uh, We may not have met before, but uh, happy to meet you, get to know you while you're here. So if you see me, Laura, Alethea, Jay, Meyer, Janner, or Summer, that's my family, say hi to us. We're we're eager to get to know you. Um, And just as you continue to get to know me, and we talk about the subject of fasting uh, I had kind of a, a story that might help you get a sense of what fasting is all about. And when you look at me, you may immediately realize this guy is not a triathlete, all right? Uh, no one is going to look at me and be like, that looks like John Ramira up there. He's uh, <laughs> like twins, you know? Uh, but even though I don't love triathlons... Um, I, I don't understand. You swim in a circle. You bike in a circle. You, re- you end up back at the same spot every time. All right? But I don't love that, but I love my wife. And she loves triathlons. So I've actually done a couple triathlons. And, and I've cheered her on in triathlons. And that sense of, okay, this is, there's physical benefits. It might not be something you always enjoy, but you love someone. That's a little bit what fasting is like. And that is our topic today as we continue in this series on the Sermon Now, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. And I hope that word picture just gives you a sense of, of what uh, Jesus is inviting us into here. Um, and to help us uh, continue in this study, I want to begin with the most important thing, which is the reading of Scripture. Um, nothing I can say in a sermon is as valuable as what God says to us in his word. And so I, I really like to emphasize that fact that, that my words are only valuable to the extent that they accurately explain and apply scripture itself. And so to help us just dive into the scripture, I want to read it together. Um, and when I say together, we, we had a little snafu in the first service. I'll read it and you listen, Uh, that way we're not, like, wondering what's going on. Uh, but to just honor that time and, and to show respect for God's Word, would you mind standing with me uh, as we do that? Uh, if you're able, obviously, and if you're at home, uh, welcome. Uh, on the live stream, would love for you to stand as well, just as a way to, to pay attention and give you, to God's Word. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, which is going to be on the screen, but you can follow along in whatever translation you might have. So please listen as we read God's Word. Um, so you might be able to see it on the screen the way I put it, uh, but that phrase, when you fast, I highlight it in yellow because it's not only repeated twice in the passage, it's repeated throughout chapter 6. And so if you look back, uh, we're seeing a pattern in Jesus' teaching here. When he talks about giving in verses 2 to 3, he says, when you give, twice, verses 2 and 3. When he talks about prayer, he says it actually three times when you pray in verses five and then six and then seven. And there's an implication for us as now he talks about fasting in verses 16 and 17. And what Jesus is saying is that like giving, like prayer, this discipline is what many people call it, of fasting is intended to be a normal part of the Christian life. All right. He's teaching about fasting the same way that he's teaching about you're giving, you're your, your praying. He's, he's not commanding them to fast. He's just kind of assuming that this is going to be how they want to express their spiritual walk. And uh, personally, I don't think I was ever encouraged to fast growing up. I kind of knew what it was a little bit. Uh, but until college, I don't think it was something that someone directly said, Hey, I, I think you should do this. Um, and and so, as a result, I, I sometimes struggle to know where to start, how to practice this, what, what Jesus really meant. And I admit that I'm not standing up this morning as an expert. Um, in fact, just based on this passage, most experts probably don't want to stand up and talk about it. So we're all in this together today, learning and growing. Um, but because we need to understand a little bit more about fasting and why it's hard and, and what Scripture is teaching us here. I want to just kind of go back to basics with this sermon. Even if you're starting out for the first time, I, I hope my non expert introduction is something that can help you grow and decide to fast in the coming weeks as you uh, build this private discipline that fuels your, your fruit uh, of the Spirit. Um, And you don't have to start this morning because we have all the food right out there, right after the service. Uh, Please don't start this morning. That's probably not the way you should go. Uh, and we'll talk about how as we go on. But I have five questions. So if you grab the note sheet, uh, and I don't know if you do know that, whether you uh, just passed by it. But when you come in the room here, uh, you can grab a note sheet in the back. There's uh, blanks you can fill in, a study guide on the back. I think we have that available for download if you're watching on the live stream as well. Uh, that's just a great way to follow along with the sermon. I encourage you to follow along as we ask five and answer five questions about fasting. And I want to start with the first, which is what is fasting? What is fasting? And uh, to ask a question like that, it may seem obvious, uh, especially since fasting is still common in many parts of the world. Many of you may already be practicing it. Um, but it is actually something we need to dive into a little bit more because there's a lot of ideas attached to fasting and what it is. Uh, in fact, doctors are becoming more um, more commonly Uh, prescribing fasting as a way to uh, attain certain health benefits. People are becoming aware of those. I know friends that have greatly benefited from intermittent fasting. Uh, And those are all good things, but I don't know that all the things we think of when fasting comes to mind are what Jesus is talking about. So I want to offer you a working definition. This is one that I used in another sermon that I once did on fasting, but it's this. Fasting is intentionally abstaining from food for the purpose of nourishing your spiritual life in Christ, fasting is intentionally abstaining from food for the purpose of nourishing your spiritual life in Christ. And I've chosen the wording for this definition uh, on purpose because there's several important aspects I want to address. Uh, first, that spiritual life in Christ phrase. All right, that's an important aspect of what Jesus is addressing in fasting. There's many religions that incorporate fasting into their, their faith practices. There's many Christian traditions that incorporate fasting. There's health benefits to fasting, but there's zero spiritual value in fasting. If you're not doing it with a focus on Christ. And if you don't have an actual life in Christ by grace through faith in him, then all you're going to get is hungry. You're not going to gain any spiritual value. Um, Our relationship with Jesus is established by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I hope that that gospel message is something that you hear regularly as you're part of Chantilly Bible Church. Um, we, We believe in a resurrected Savior, but if you're not clinging to his grace, if you don't have that relationship with him, then all you're going to get is hungry, not more spiritual if you fast. And, and I think Jesus assumes that as he begins this conversation. Um, Jesus talks about fasting because it's a, a theme that's evident throughout Scripture. It's actually appearing uh, in the Old Testament and New Testament often. Uh, there's at least 59 different passages that uh, or mentions of fasting. Uh, and every single one of those deals with abstaining from food. Now, that may seem obvious to you, but that's why I chose intentionally abstaining from food in this definition. Because a lot of people will use that word fast and assign it to other things. Uh, maybe because they want it to be more accessible, they'll say anything you might choose to avoid for a spiritual purpose. So you may be familiar with people who don't eat meat during certain times of the year. Or maybe they don't eat chocolate or, or uh, they they abstain from Facebook or something like that. And I recommend you not be on Facebook anyway. But that's another story. Um, All of those things might have spiritual value and could even be considered spiritual disciplines. You know, after all, in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, he and his friends don't eat the king's food. They very intentionally abstain from a type of food. But nowhere is the word fasting used there. Similarly, in 1 Corinthians 7, a husband and wife refrain from intimacy for spiritual purposes. And so these things are disciplines. They're goods. They're just not what the Bible Attaches that word fasting to and so when jesus says when you fast I think he has particularly in mind this practice of abstaining from food completely And so again, there's spiritual benefit and even wisdom in abstaining from other things for periods of time But your body doesn't need food the same way it needs facebook does it right? Uh, Food is a little bit more important and by abstaining from something that we actually need I think God uses it in a unique way, um, and and when we abstain from it completely. Uh, So Jesus has that in mind when he says the words, when you fast. Now, keep in mind, there are some of us in this room or or listening to this sermon that we have physical or medical conditions that would make it really unhealthy or unwise to fast, and that's okay. I think there's there's freedom and grace in how we seek after Jesus, uh, and if that's the case, we could probably choose to seek him in another way. But if we're avoiding fasting simply because we don't like the idea of being hungry or if that makes us uncomfortable in some ways, I I think we're actually missing out on on a gift that God gives us in this spiritual discipline. Um, And so I I wanted to give you that definition of fasting because uh, it's throughout this study important to understand what Jesus is meaning. And I want to remind us that fasting is not spiritual in and of itself. You know, there's, there's a reason behind it, a spiritual life behind it. So being hungry uh, doesn't just make you spiritual. Just going through the practice of abstaining from food doesn't make you spiritual. In fact, fasting is often coupled with other things, and we'll talk about that as well. But just keep this definition in mind. Fasting is intentionally abstaining from food for the purpose of nourishing your spiritual life in Christ. Second question. Why might fasting feel foreign or difficult? Why might fasting feel foreign or difficult? Um, That could be a long conversation. I believe there's a lot of reasons fasting might not be familiar to some of us. Um, But I know that that was my experience. The first time I tried to start practicing fasting, I had a vague idea of what it was. And we need to grapple with the fact that it does feel different. And we need to address why it feels different. And the first reason is obvious. And it's the fact that our bodies physically need food, don't they? Right? Your body actually needs food to survive. Food is good. It's a gift from God. And, and when we don't have food, we're putting our bodies under a fair amount of stress. So fasting can cause stress. In fact, a lot of people report difficulty the first few times they try to fast, especially. Um, there's headaches, nausea, uh, weakness. Uh, those are common. So if you experience that when you make your plan and, and try to go fast out of this, this time, uh, don't be surprised by that. Uh, similarly, multi day fast. A lot of people, as they grow in this discipline, they want to fast for not just a meal or a day, but for multiple days. Jesus fasted 40 days. Uh, don't start there, by the way. That's probably not a good decision. But as they pursue those, those first few days are usually the most challenging, and that's common to report. And your body does grow accustomed to uh, fasting, both uh, over time as you do it regularly. And then even if you do it over multiple days, your body kind of normalizes a little bit so it's not as uncomfortable. But it's still difficult physically. You're growing weaker as you don't eat food. And so it's important to realize that that's part of the challenge and that Jesus is inviting us into that challenge when he, he's saying that we should fast for spiritual reasons. Uh, because I think this going without is part of fasting and it's uncomfortable, I think that makes it very foreign to our culture as well. so that's another reason that fasting is foreign to people. it's just not something we like to do in our culture. Uh, it's not our habit to go without things. Uh, I didn't have a framework to understand fasting because food is easy for us to get, right? You go to every like event and like somebody order a pizza this is. This is just normal for us to have food around. It's easy for us to have food around. Um, And so it can be difficult for us to intentionally enter into that space. Um, And it's the opposite of what our first century brothers and sisters in Christ might have experienced. They were intimately familiar with fasting. It was part of their world. But to to help you understand how foreign it might feel, I want you to go uh, just a little thought experiment with me. It's kind of goofy. But I want you to imagine we have a time machine and that we can go back to our first century brothers and sisters in Christ and we can talk to the church, all right? And we're going to tell them all about daily Bible reading, okay? This is weird, all right? But think about it for a second. Can you imagine how hard it would be to explain that to somebody in the first century? So first of all, can they read, number one? We take that for granted in our culture. Not everybody could read. So daily Bible reading, it's a great spiritual discipline, but it might be really hard for someone to practice if they can't read. Beyond that, there's no books, right? There's only parchments, which means scripture is exceedingly uh, rare to have laying around. People wouldn't have the Bible. They would have maybe a scrap written on a piece of paper. Uh, a community might have one copy of the scriptures if they were fairly uh, well-to-do. Uh, in the local church or synagogue, but that was it. And if you're trying to explain how to read the Bible using your iPhone app, oh my goodness, you're going to have a really hard time. But when you put yourself in that frame of mind and you realize that's very foreign to how they would experience meditating on Scripture day and night, which they certainly did, you realize how foreign we might feel entering into this practice of fasting. We have some of those same levels of disconnect, I believe. And so as Jesus talks about fasting with this audience in Matthew chapter six, they are intimately familiar with a lot of these things, but we don't have that same familiarity. It's going against the grain of our culture. We're oriented toward consuming things, as I said a minute before. Realize that, that everything about our culture in our present age rails against this idea of abstaining from something in order to grow. Right? How do we grow? Like, we we eat food physically, and that's normal that we think of it that way. But our culture seeks to grow. Like, we want to earn more. We want to save more. We want to accumulate more. We want to do more. That's how we're, we're knit in Western culture a lot of times. And that makes fasting a very foreign concept for us. God wants us to grow not through more, but through less in this case. And we can unconsciously adopt this idea in our spiritual lives that more, 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 and so that makes fasting a challenge for us. I want you to remember, though, we can't earn God's grace. We can't do more to earn His favor. There's an inverse danger of this as well that I want to point out, and that's uh, some people, and in some Christian traditions, fasting is a means of earning God's grace, right? Uh, You may be familiar with friends who who think they have to fast during certain times of year because that's how they uh, are you know, walking on the path towards salvation. But that's, that's a lie. Jesus is not saying that this is something that we must do in order to uh, gain his favor or to gain his grace. Grace is a gift. We cannot earn it. Uh, and and any time we identify this danger or this lie that we are supposed to do something in order to earn God's favor, then we need to uh, call it out for what it is. And so, especially in the modern era, you know, we look back on, on certain things that were in the medieval church in particular, where people were asked to fast as a means of penance or earning grace. And we have to, we have to correct from that. But what we have to be careful is that we don't overcorrect. We have to be cautious that we're not leaving aside this practice that Jesus actually is commending to us and saying that we should be doing just because we're worried about some of the dangers. And so that's a fine line to thread. And I, I just want to point out that these are things that make fasting a little bit difficult as we seek to enter into it. Um, I pray that we'll recognize the opportunity before us to fast. And, and really, everything I've said so far, why, what is fasting? Why might it feel foreign or difficult? It's addressing that phrase in verse 16, when you fast. Jesus is kind of assuming a lot of things in there that I wanted to make sure we grasp. But now let's move on to the main point of his comments as he continues on, which are, why should we be cautious about fasting? Jesus is no doubt saying, you should be fasting, but before you do, here's some things you gotta watch out for. Look at those those next words after when you fast. He says, do not. He's, he's teaching caution. Remember, fasting's not spiritual in and of itself. And Jesus knows that there's many hypocrites in that time, whether they were Pharisees or other outwardly religious folks, well, they would be quick to, to say, yeah, I fast. I I do it all the time, and and I champion it. I display it for all to see. And so Jesus' caution, if you read the words of verse 16, is, Do not be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Someone kind of broadcasting the fact that they're fasting is getting everything that they want out of it by doing that the attention, the feelings of being religious. And so if we're going to enter into this practice, we need to ask two diagnostic questions. One, and this is straight out of the text, am I doing this for others? And two, am I doing this for myself? And that second one may catch you off guard a little bit, but if we're doing this for others or if we're doing this for ourselves, I think we need to pause before we enter into this. Because fasting is not for others. It's not even for us. It's for seeking God. It's, a, it's an act of worship. And so you read the passage itself. It's clear that fasting for others is, is a problem. The danger is self-evident. If, if you're fasting today and you're vlogging your experience on YouTube, like all those 10 views that you get, that's it. That's what you got. All right? That's your reward. Um, you're not reaping the spiritual benefit that Jesus talked about. Uh, God looks on our heart. He sees our true motives. And so he's going to dive down in there. And because he sees our true motives, though, that's not why we're just concerned about what we're doing before others. All right? Even if we don't tell anybody else that we're fasting, if we're doing it so that we feel spiritual or we get some other benefit, then I think we're we're off track in our motives and we're missing out on what Jesus is inviting us into here. So primarily because the physical benefits of fasting are so known and talked about now, we need to know like we're not supposed to enter into this this discipline for a means of improving our physical health or or increasing self-discipline. That is not what motivates us. So if we're motivated by that, I I think we've gotten off track. That's an indirect benefit. Your health may in, improve. Your discipline may improve. Um, I think God means for those things, but that's not why we do it. We're refraining from food because our hunger for God is supposed to be even more important than our hunger for something we physically need. We need to pause just to make sure that we're, we're actually seeking God and not the health benefits. And similarly, if we are attracted to how spiritual we will feel, even privately, right? If you, you know, heard the topic today, you're like, I'm going to fast on Sunday. And all those people that go eat from the delicious Chinese food up the, up the hall. If you feel more spiritual than them, even though you're not telling anybody about it, then you're wrong. That's not what fasting is for. That's why nobody should fast today, because it's really delicious food too, Okay. Um, I just want us to, to have that caution because Jesus is cautioning. He's saying, yes, when you fast, but beware, be careful here. And we don't want to violate the teaching that Jesus gives, gives us. Uh, the worst thing that could happen to you is that you start to do something that makes you feel spiritual when really your heart is far from God. You do not want selfishness disguised as spirituality. Spirituality. So those are three questions out of the way. We know what fasting is. We know why it might feel foreign or difficult. And now we've addressed why we should be cautious. But Jesus is still expecting us to fast. So what does it look like to fast? And I've got two questions for that. The first is, well, why why do we enter into into this? You know, the obvious answer is, right, Jesus is assuming this is part of our spiritual life. Why Why should you fast? Jesus says, well, when you fast, that's a good reason. But there are more. Uh, one, one reason for me personally is I've seen the benefits of fasting in a lot of people that I look up to, both in church history and even today. You see them practicing this discipline, uh, not broadcasting it, but just understanding that it's part of their spiritual lives. Uh, in fact, in the New Testament, Acts 13, if you've ever read that passage, uh, the church gathers, they pray, and they fast. And that's the, the event that God uses to set aside uh, Paul and Barnabas for their ministry. The first missionary journey was launched out of ex- an experience of prayer and fasting. And you think how God changed the world through that. And it, it gives you pause and say, well, why would we neglect something that God has used so powerfully even in those early days of the church? And throughout church history, um, there's people that have practiced this discipline. Men and women of great Christian faith have used this as one of God's means uh, for their spiritual growth. So you, you think of Augustine, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, George Mueller, C.S. Lewis. Those are just the ones that I thought of off the top of my head when I was preparing. There's so many faithful men and women who practice this, this uh, discipline, and it, it should be an example for us to follow. But there's still more reasons to fast, and I want to give you at least three more. Um, Because, right, we're given a command, we're given an example, but I think there are these uh, ways that we grow through fasting that are unique and that we should pause and realize. Uh, First reason we should fast, it reminds us that we're not merely physical creatures. Right? So you are a physical being. God made you that way, and that's good. Um, And you need food. In fact, food is part of God's good design. We should enjoy it. That's, that's awesome. No one intends for us to fast forever. God is not asking us to do that. But he is saying, when you fast, you're becoming aware that your body is not just physical, that there's a, a spiritual part of you, that there's this unseen world that we are a part of. Our continued existence, our, our very breath depends on the creator of the universe upholding it fasting is a way for us to be reminded that that existence that we enjoy depends on god not on the food that we eat and so each time your belly growls when you fast that can be a reminder that it's god ultimately sustaining you and unlike other spiritual disciplines this is really important to note fasting never stands by itself there's always a focus with fasting Most of the time, that's prayer. You see prayer and fasting paired together in the Bible. They're a team. And there's a great quote from uh, Andrew Murray that I think really uh, brings to light what, what the value of fasting with prayer is. He says this, Prayer needs fasting for its full growth. Prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible. Fasting is the other hand, the one with which we let go of the visible. And do you see what he's saying there? Like we're we're praying, we're engaging God in this unseen realm, but when we also let that prayer spill over into the physical realm by saying, you know what, what's going on in the physical world is not even as important as as what I'm praying for, so I'm going to let go of food for a time so that I can really focus on this prayer. It's reminding us of the unseen Helping us to focus and fix our eyes on Jesus. And it's a way to show our weakness, our humility, our complete dependence on God for everything. Another reason why we might fast is that it reveals what controls our hearts, right? And so uh, if my sermon goes on till 2 o'clock, uh, which I don't intend on doing, by the way, uh, some of you might start to get a little angry at me, right? That there's something that starts to come out of us when we're hungry. The, the emotions, the feelings that are really there. Uh, and that can expose how far our hearts are from God. We may see anger. We may see pride. We may see greed. We may see depression. We may see shame. So when we fast, we may become more acutely aware of those things that we're feeling. And, and when we fast... We're not exposing those things in ourselves to feel bad about them or guilty about them. No, what we're, we're exposing in ourselves is an openness to have God enter into those places and to apply his love and his grace and forgiveness to us. Fasting has the potential to open us to God's kindness in these areas that, that just kind of passively acknowledging, you know what, I'm, I'm a little frustrated today or I'm sad that I did this. It, it, it invites God into that process of confession more. Uh, it shows us what we might lo- love more than God, whether that's food or something else. And it helps us cry out to God in grief over these sins that we might, might have in our lives. And so I commend to you fasting as a way to really partner with confession in coming before him. And there's one more thing I want to mention, though, and that's uh, the connection between fasting and self-denial or self-discipline, self-control. And really, self-denial is key. It's a key part of the Christian life. Uh, one, of, one part of our mission statement at Chantilly Bible Church is to make fully devoted followers of Christ. It's right? the first part of our mission statement. And Jesus himself teaches later on in Matthew. It's in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 24. He says, how do you follow him? You, you deny yourself. You take up your cross and you follow Jesus. Jesus. And fasting is a way to help us grow in that because it teaches us to deny ourselves. Think about it. What is is fasting? You're saying no to your body, which needs food. And the human body is constantly making demands of its owner. Your body is saying, I want this or I need this. And when we're honest with ourselves, we realize that our body doesn't always tell the truth about what we want. Or need Some of those very things that the body is crying out for might be things that are dishonoring or displeasing to God. And when we fast, we're training ourselves not to just listen to what our body says. We're saying, no, 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 I'm going to seek after God first. That's the primary. And there's nothing wrong with food, by the way. There's nothing sinful about food when we're eating it in the right ways. It's just a way that we're training ourselves to follow Jesus because we're denying ourselves. And when you think about our culture, right, when you think about our consumeristic world, when we're not taught to deny our wants, we're taught to indulge them, well, how do we fight against that? How do we live differently? What if fasting is one of the tools that God wants to use and we've just been missing out? In a world where, where self-denial and abstaining from something is so foreign, to abandon fasting would be a foolish thing. And I, I just want us to realize that God intends for us to grow in all these ways that maybe you've never thought of before. And if I were to ask this question to each of you, why should I pursue fasting, uh, I would probably get like 20 different answers, which is awesome. There's way more benefits and ways that we grow than just what I've mentioned here. But I, I wanted to start there. And I I wanted to end uh, with a fifth and final question, which is the how. How should I pursue fasting? Uh, We've learned a lot so far. We've covered a lot. But I remember that feeling when I first tried to start fasting for the first time. And it was totally overwhelming and disorienting. Because I just had no one explain the basics. And as I said, the people that are probably really good at fasting don't like to talk about it. So... I I needed a starting place and I found some books, some resources that really gave me some good practical tips. And I I hope to share those with you. But what I want you to realize is that our whole lives, in order to participate in this discipline, they need to be reordered. So often, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, the series talks about these these public fruits that we display, these these things that shine, right? Let your light shine before men. But the way we do that well is by cultivating these private disciplines that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6. And so I hope these tips are kind of helpful tools for you as you start on this journey. So first thing, I've got a list of seven here. You can write them all down. um, But I just will talk through them briefly. First, check your heart. Check your motives. Why do you want to fast? And you'll probably find there, there are mixed reasons. Don't let that stop you. Just confess those before the Lord if you're attracted to how spiritual you will feel and, and kind of set that aside before you enter into this. The next thing you should do is make a plan, all right? Uh, impulse fasting probably doesn't work well. Like if you leave this room and you're like, 40 days starting now, uh, I'll talk to you on day three and let me know how it's going, okay? It's tough. So you have to make a plan. You have to say, it's going to be for this specific time. Um, I, I recommend knowing a few days in advance. And even though fasting is a private discipline, if you know someone like a brother or sister in Christ, it's not wrong for other people to know you're fasting. Share that privately and have them pray for you during that time or pray with you during that time. All right. So make a plan and then start small. Okay. Again, the 40 days right off the bat, not going to work. Start with one meal if you've never fasted before. If you're used to fasting, if it's something you've already been doing, you know, you can start to stretch it. Maybe fast for a whole day or, or two days. And that's, that's a good way to grow. Um, and always be, be attentive to, you know, if you have physical needs, uh, you don't want to make a plan that extends beyond what your body is able to sustain. So start small. Ease in and ease out. Uh, what I mean by that is don't hit up like the all-you-can-eat buffet the night before you fast, that's actually going to make it more painful for your body. Uh, It will be much more difficult for you to experience the physical effects of fasting if you uh, load up on food and then try to go without for a period of time. Eat a light meal beforehand. And on the same token, uh, eat a light meal coming out of it, because if you eat real heavy or eat foods that aren't good for you, uh, you're probably not going to have a good experience physically. Uh, all that said, do expect discomfort. Fasting is not easy physically, um, and that's okay. Some of that discomfort you feel is part of how God uses it in your life and uses it to redirect your attention from the normal things you might be doing as you eat and, and putting it on him. And I do encourage you to find a focus, all right? So fasting always has a partner in Scripture. It's never just fasting because that's spiritual in of itself. There's usually a prayer or a confession or, or something that goes with it. So find a focus. And if you say, I'm just going to pray about a whole bunch of things, it's probably going to make it harder for you. Narrow it. Say, I'm going to pray for these two or three things. Uh, there's, there's a person that I'm really um, concerned to pray for. and I, I want to make sure I'm bringing them before the Lord. Uh, someone that's going through a challenging time, perhaps. Um, maybe a sin that you're grieving and, and you can confess that to the Lord in that time. And if you don't have a specific prayer focus, maybe it's just a passage of scripture. Pick a Psalm, just read it repeatedly during the time that you fast and pray for what God brings to mind. That can be a great way to, to uh, practically pursue this. And finally, uh, seek God, not results. And that's kind of a summation of all of this. I, I hope you will fast coming out of this sometime in the next two weeks. I um, hope you go enjoy the food and, and fellowship out of here. Uh, this is meant to be a, an encouragement, an invitation, not like a, you know, oh, I, I'm sad about not having fasted much or why am I not doing it today? That's not the intent. It's just awakening us to this opportunity that God gives us to grow in his grace in new ways. And if we're seeking him, not just like, oh, I, I need this outcome or I need this benefit. If we're seeking God, I believe he's going to bless that. And I, I know I've been blessed. Uh, I've, I've fasted at, at times this past fall, and uh, it's been a practice that I'm still growing in today, but I know God uses it in my life, and I pray that he would use it in yours as well. As we continue in this, this sermon series about being reordered, about God reshaping our hearts into the likeness of Christ, I pray that this would be a part of our journey together as we continue on this study. So let's close in prayer as we conclude our time. Lord God, uh, thank you for your word, which is good. And I thank you that even just a few short verses from scripture, uh, there's so many ways that you have for us to grow in applying them. I thank you that your word is sufficient. And I pray, Lord, that where my words fall short, that your word would pierce to our hearts. Show us where we can seek you and to chase after you through this discipline of fasting that you've gifted to us. And I pray that we would see it as a gift. I pray, Lord, that every single person here would understand the grace that they have offered to them in Jesus Christ. I pray that they would receive and trust in Jesus if they never have. And I pray that they would walk faithfully with him. And, and I pray that fasting might be a part of that growth journey and that it might be refreshing to our souls and unifying to our church as we seek after you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.